Take your Bibles, please. Let's go to James chapter 5. We're closing out uh, the book of James this morning. And uh, what we've been doing on Sunday nights is we've been looking at the, the book of Titus. We last two Sunday nights we went through the qualifications of a pastor. Two, two uh, Sundays ago or three Sundays ago we had a break with uh, Dr. Horn being here. Uh, then uh, last Sunday night we went through the qualifications of, uh, of deacons. And uh, we have a deacon election coming up again in January. And that's one of the main reasons we're having a, a membership class right now is because, uh, and it's the only way uh, church polities figured out how to do it, uh, to get Christians only that are voting. So if you want to be a voting member in the church, uh, please uh, come to our little class after, at 1030 after you get a little refreshment and fellowship with folks, and we'll tell you what it is. If you choose to join, fine. Uh, if you don't, oh boy, no. Uh, uh, it's all good. All right. So uh, you say, well, are we welcome here? And I actually had someone uh, uh, email me this week, new folks that just started coming. And they say, are we welcome uh, to all the activities of church? Do, you are absolutely welcome. You do not have to be a member to participate in the church. All right. God's called, uh, God's called us to the body of Christ. If we're, you're part of the body of Christ, you've trusted him as your savior. You come to everything all right there's no restrictions here it's not a social club uh, the membership simply uh, makes sure that we have folks that know Christ when they're voting and do uh, or take office if you will as deacons in our church all right and let's go to James chapter 5 and let's look at the last two verses these are actually it's a, these are wonderful verses for as we close out the book and especially if uh as we look at what happened this morning with the baptisms and so forth, and here's the two, two verses, James chapter 5, verse 19. Brethren, now when we're talking to brethren, we're talking to who? Christians. Brethren or Christians, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner, I want to stress that word sinner, when we go through the text this morning, there are certain words that have key emphasis that will help us define who's being talked about. And I'm going to jump ahead just a moment here so we set the context right from the beginning. When the Word of God talks about sinners, it is never in reference, never used in the entire scriptures in reference to believers in Jesus Christ. And we'll show you that as we go through the text this morning. So keep this in mind. As we go through it, he's talking about people that are in the church who are sinners. Now, when we talk about in the church, we're talking about in the physical body or in the physical building this morning. Here's a very interesting doctrinal truth. You can be here this morning in this physical church and not be a Christian. And that's what this is addressing. Brethren, Christian, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. Father, I pray now as you open up the only word that you've ever given to us, the precious word of God, that you'd speak to us this morning. Father, we thank you for those that uh, have already come and shared their testimonies and been baptized this morning as a sign of their belief in you. 
But Father, I, I, I always, it always concerns me that in a wonderful church like Union Grove Baptist, that there could be someone, maybe more than one, here this morning that this has been their church, maybe for their entire life, maybe only for a short period of time, and yet they think they're a Christian, but maybe they're not. So, Father, I pray that as we open up this precious text, Lord, that you would encourage us by it, that you would help us to be, if you will, alert to those who may sort of understand but may never really have trusted Christ. Help us to understand what to do in that situation. We commit it all to you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. So as we start out, and of course, we always start out with a technical issue, so we'll, uh, we'll take care of that and get her going again. All right, let's see if we got her now. There we go. All right, so I know it's going to be a good service because when technology doesn't work, I know somebody's trying to stop us. Makes sense. Anyway, <laughs> so what we like to do is we peel God's word one passage at a time, and I want to make it very clear this morning. This is the church I believe that God's love is building. So when we look at this text, it's, uh, I, want, I want to encourage you along this line. If you're here this morning and you've trusted Christ as your personal Savior, what I don't want you to do is all of a sudden as we go through this saying, well, I wonder if I'm really saved or not. If you've trusted Christ, you've truly given your life to him, this message isn't about trying to make your doubts your salvation. Ephesians tells us that we are sealed, when you trust Jesus Christ, we are sealed by the Holy Spirit, Ephesians 4.30. In 1 Corinthians 12, 13, which I made reference to this morning, it tells us when you trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you are were, you were all placed into or baptized, if you will, into one body by the Holy Spirit. And we learned what the word baptism meant this morning. So what is the intent? The intent this morning is to get exactly what James is trying to get across to the people. We're looking again as we close out the book of James. James was written right at the beginning, if you will, of the, the church age. If you remember James chapter 1, verse 1, which I like to go back to to remind us of the context, James, a servant of God, and with the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad. So he's dealing with Jewish individuals. That's his main focal point. Now, of course, it's all applicable to us this morning. But he's, he's dealing with individuals. They've been scattered. They were in Israel. They're in Jerusalem. They were, because of the tremendous persecution, the Jews were being scattered all over the place. And James is now addressing these individuals to stand firm in your faith. But if there's someone in your midst... How are you going to recognize that? Let's take a look. What are the repercussions for a Christian who wanders from God? So we're going to address that as well. We'll look a little bit at, at the Christian emphasis. Now, now, folks, can a Christian go in the wrong direction? I mean, someone who truly knows Jesus Christ, they've trusted him, they put their faith in him, and all of a sudden things happen, and they start to, if you will, stray a bit from the truth. And I'll tell you, folks, sometimes a true Christian, a true believer in Christ, can make some really, really bad decisions and wander from God for a time. But what's the difference between a Christian doing a bit of wandering and a person who doesn't know Christ? How about the Holy Spirit? Go back to 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13. For we were all baptized or placed into the body by one spirit. Folks, where does the Holy Spirit dwell this morning? 
1 Corinthians 3.16, 1 Corinthians 6.19, the Holy Spirit dwells in believers. Now I will tell you the first thing that happens when Brother Rich starts thinking wrong, acting wrong, doing something that uh, uh, is not real pastoral, if you will, guess what happens? My alarm goes off. You say, what alarm? The Holy Spirit alarm that says, what are you doing? <laughs> uh, it's kind of like a... Um, have you ever had a smoke detector go off in the middle of the night? Now, maybe some of you have really had smoke, but here's what usually happens. And it happened to me in our home uh, about a, uh, two, three weeks ago. All of a sudden, it's like two, three in the morning, what do you hear? Meep. 30 seconds later, I have no clue where it is. You're half out of it, right? Meep. And uh, I'm like, oh. I'm walking around. I'm hitting my head on everything. And uh, it's like, where is that beep coming from? Well, you, you know, it took me about 10 minutes of walking into walls and whatever. Finally found where the beep is, and, and the Holy Spirit sometimes goes, beep! What are you thinking? What are you doing? All right, that happens to Christians. If there's no beep going off, if you will, when you're doing something wrong, there's a strong probability that your conscience is not being pricked by the Holy Spirit. So that's something to think about. All right, so we're going to look at that. Have you ever watched a Christian decline in their walk with God and wonder what you could do to help restore them? All right, so we're going to look at that aspect. But now we want to go one step further. Can someone walk through the doors of any church? And, of course, we're here at Union Grove Baptist Church. Can a person walk through the doors of Union Grove Baptist Church? They come in. They sit down. They look like everyone else. They act like everyone else for the most part. They're in the church, which makes you think, well, potentially they, they're good Christian folks. But having never made a personal decision to trust Christ as your Savior. And this is what James is literally addressing. So what are we going to do this morning? What we're going to do is we're going to examine two contrasting avenues Christians can take in regards to biblical truth. All right, so let's go to James 5 again. Uh, we're going to skip that. We've read it. And go to the first part. We'll, we'll tear it down portion by portion in the Word of God. Brethren, Christian, if anyone among you wanders from the truth, the literal concept of the word wander there is to be led astray. Now, again, the specific context when we're talking about sinners, as we're going to see in a few moments, is those that truly have not trusted Christ at this point. So maybe they've come into the, into the church, they've, they, they're, they're, they're here for maybe a week, two weeks, months, sometimes even years. I attended a pastor's conference some years ago, probably 20 plus years ago. It was a huge pastor's conference in a giant church down in Indiana. Thousands of individuals were there, hundreds and hundreds of pastors, and they gave an evangelistic message at a pastor's conference. You say, why would you do that? Well, after the, the preacher got through and, and did a phenomenal job preaching the gospel, they gave a public invitation. Now, we don't often do public invitations and invite people to walk down the aisle to trust Christ. Uh, that's uh, an, a rare that we do. We'll do hand raising and so forth. But uh, this back 30 years, 20 plus years ago, when it was very common to have public invitations and invite folks to come down the aisle to receive Christ. The invitation was given, and about five 
pastors stood up and walked down the aisle to receive Christ. And you're right, amen. <laughs> That's a good thing. You say, wait a minute, how can that be a good thing? They were preaching in the pulpit, they were teaching the word of God, and they weren't saved. How can you say it's good they just got saved? Well, it's good they just got saved. It's not good that they're in the pulpit for heaven knows how long preaching the word of God without having a personal relationship with Christ. That's not a good thing, but praise the Lord, they got saved. They were, I mean, can you imagine a pastor? Could you imagine Brother Rich? I mean, I, we invite a, an evangelist to come, and I'm sitting down in the front row, and my heart gets pricked, and the next thing you know, I'm down at the altar trusting Christ as my Savior. You'd be like, "Woo, what happened? Right? I mean, it, folks, in our auditorium right now, and I have no clue. Believe me, this is not aimed at one single person. I, and, and I mean that sincerely. I'm just preaching the text. Sitting in this congregation this morning is one, two, three, who knows how many people. You've been here. You've been coming. You, 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 you kind of know the lingo. You understand the doctrine and all these things. And Paul says they, they don't know Christ. And Paul says, listen, brethren, Christian, if anyone among you is astray, they're wandering from the truth. What is the truth of the gospel? There's only one truth. You say, are you saying Christianity is an exclusive religion? No, I'm saying it's an exclusive relationship. It's not a religion. Religion is I do this, I do that, I, I try my best, and I hope someday to make it to heaven. And God says, no, it's not about religion, it's about a relationship. Folks, we can all do things. Every church under the sun, every religion under the sun, people gather, and they'll be gathering all over the world today, and they will do things. They will spend money to help others. They will build things. They will give out food. They will uh, give out clothing. They will send money in relief efforts. They'll, they'll go out and uh, do all sorts of, of good works, if you will. They'll rake leaves for people. They'll uh, take their garbage out. They'll mow their lawns. They'll shovel their snow. All these things. And by the way, there is nothing wrong with doing that. And we ought to help people. But if we're doing all those things to gain favor with God so that we can go to heaven, you're missing the boat. And Bible is saying, listen, there's folks that have been led astray from the truth. Now, I put it up on the screen for you. What is the truth? It denotes the reality clearly lying before our eyes as opposed to a mere appearance without reality. What is truth? Folks, if you've got a Bible in your hands, may I say that you're holding the truth. When you turn on your television sets and your internet and the radio and you get bombarded with, and I love this, I heard this yesterday, you get bombarded with programs. Think about what the word program means. We have individuals here and I see Nick in the back, He's, uh, he does computer programming, a lot of other things with computers. What do you do when you program a computer? You want it to do something specific. You say, wait a minute. 
So I turn on my TV, my radio, I, I, I read the newspapers, I get on the internet, and I read all these news stories, and I'm being what? You're listening to programs. See where I'm going? And God says, I got something a little different besides a program for you. I've got the truth. And let's take a look at a few verses applying to that. James, or, uh, I'm sorry, Psalm chapter 119, 116. Where, where is the truth? And, and, and the psalmist says, the entirety of your word is truth. And every one of your righteous judgments endures forever. Where is the truth? Ladies and gentlemen, again, and those watching on the internet, you say, are you talking about exclusivity? Are you saying there is only one way to come to God, that there is only one truth? What do you think? Come on! <laughs> Where's Steve Brown? I need to hear it. Come on. <laughs> Preach it. Folks, there is only one truth. You say, uh, someday you could go to jail for saying that. Yep. Someday uh, you get your head chopped off for saying that. Yep. You're going to stand for truth. Truth. The entirety of your word is truth. Every jot, every tittle, every little piece of the Hebrew language, every piece of the Greek language, if you will, inside the sacred scriptures, when the Bible says what? All scripture is given by inspiration of God. It is God-breathed. And it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that what? The man or woman of God may be be diligent, 2 Timothy 2.15, to present yourself approved to God, worker who does not need to be shamed, rightly dividing, rightly handling what? The word of truth. Folks, the foundation of what takes place at Union Grove Baptist Church is the word of God. This is it. You say, what's your manual? This is it. What, what, what's your, your statement of faith? Well, we have a statement of faith on various doctrines, but where does it come from? This is the statement of faith. This is the doctrine. This is everything. It is the holy word of God. Folks, it is the word of truth. 1 John 1, 6, if we say that we have fellowship with him or with Christ, and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice what? Pastor's heart. I think I've told this maybe once before here. Back when I was in college, and that's where I met, where's Valerie? Valerie's right there. She's got a sore back today. Pray for her back. And every Saturday, we go into the streets of Chicago with probably a thousand other folks. And we'd go door to door knocking on, on doors when you could knock on doors before things like COVID hit and restrictions hit and the government hit. We'd walk up and down the streets and we'd tell folks the greatest news ever given to man that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. We witnessed to adults, we'd witness to kids. And then we'd come by on Sunday morning, early in the morning, and hundreds and hundreds of, if you remember about the old bus ministries, and head down to Indiana to have a service. 
And I got to thinking one time as we were coming back, we dropped everybody off. We had all a bunch of workers on the bus, and we'd preach to each other on the way back, keep us awake after working probably 18, 20 hours, loving people, pointing them to the gospel. And the thought came to me, you know, as we're, we're driving down the expressways of Chicago, we're going down through the expressways in Indiana, and, and all of a sudden something would happen and the bus would overturn. The hundred individuals on that bus who'd been coming maybe for weeks, maybe for months, and the bus overturns, and there's a tragic outcome. And folks don't walk away. And it's like, what, what are we doing? What are we doing? Do these individuals know without a shadow of a doubt that they've trusted Christ as their Savior? Are we loving them? Are we not just loving them? Are we not just giving them food? Are we just not caring for them from a social aspect, if you will, and a physical aspect? But do they know Jesus Christ? Ladies and gentlemen, young people, if you're here this morning and you do not know Jesus Christ, this church is doing you no good right now. It may be a good place to come, Maybe a good place to get some ethics and morals. Maybe a good place to exercise some of the things you like to do. But if you don't know Jesus Christ and you walk out that door and you perish without Christ, it's a Christless eternity. It's a horrible thing. And James says, "If uh, brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth, Brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth, that is the key concept. We've gone through it. The truth. How about doctrine? Let's just go a little bit deeper for a moment, a little deeper than James probably intended at this point. But what are doctrines? On Wednesday nights, probably in a couple of weeks, I'm going to start a series on the 12 major doctrines in Scripture. I believe it's important. I love what's known as systematic theology. What are the 12 major doctrines? And I put them up on the screen for you. We'll be going through all 12 of these starting probably in a couple of weeks on uh, Wednesday nights. Some of them are very easy to get by just looking at them. Others are a little bit trickier based on the word that's used. But how about uh, the study of angels, angelology, the study of man, anthropology, the study of the Bible. Folks, do you know where this Bible came from? Do you know how it was assembled? Did it just fall out of the sky, or how did God put it together? It's a tremendous study. Bibliology. Christology. The centrality of Christ. Who is Christ? Who is he? He's God's son? Yes. He's part of the Trinity? Yes. Is he the Savior? Yes. And so much more. Demonology. Say, whoa, that sounds mystical. No, it's a reality. Ephesians 6, as we talked about many times here, tells us that every single day when you get out of bed, you better put on the armor of God because you are fighting, Christian, the demonic world. You say, that's crazy. I've never seen a demon. Neither have I. But I know they're here. It's a great study. Demonology. Ecclesiology, the study of the church. What goes on in a church? What, what's the, uh, the polity that the, that the Bible discusses regarding the church? Eschatology, which we've done a lot of here on Sunday nights mainly. The study of sin. Where'd sin come from? How did it start? Here's a good question, which we're not going to answer. Yeah, I'm going to answer it because I should because I can't leave it hanging today. 
Did God, is God the author of sin? Thank you. You can skip that class. <laughs> Pneumatology, the study of the Holy Spirit. Satanology, study of Satan. Another hard one to get if you don't know the language. Soteriology, or the study of salvation. How do you come to Christ? What does it mean to go to heaven? And we'll close with that this morning. Theology proper, the study of God. 1 Timothy chapter 1, or 4, verse 13 said, Till I come, give attention to what? To reading. We read the word of God. To exhortation. We're preaching the word of God. And to doctrine. Know what you believe. I like to say, and that's what we've been doing on Wednesday nights, talking about the transformed mind. Why are we losing young people? Why are we using, losing uh, college and career and young couples all across the country? Why? Because if they've not been grounded in doctrine, they don't know what they believe. You cannot move forward in your Christian walk if you don't know what you believe. In other words, God's saying, don't just sit in the milk of the word, but get some heavy-duty meat. Titus 1.9, holy fast the faithful word as he has been taught that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and convict those who contradict. But as for you, Paul says again, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine. Folks, that's why when we open up this blessed word of God every single Sunday, every single Wednesday, every single Sunday school, Awana, Rooted Teen, Summer Quest, BBS, everything centers right out of the word of God. Sound doctrine, not something we make up. James 5.19, brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save his soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. You say, Brother Rich, when you started, you talked about who's a sinner according to Scripture. We could go through a multitude of Old Testament passages, which we're not going to do. I'm going to give you two New Testament verses which describe who a sinner is. Familiar verses, 1 Timothy 1.15. By the way, 1 Timothy 1.15 is the mission, the mission of every Bible-believing church, if they're doing what they should be doing. 1 Timothy 1.15, this is a faithful saying, and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save, what's the word? Sinners. Sinners need to be saved from their sin. The penalty's horrific. Eternal separation from God in an off place called hell. And he said, listen, uh, uh, brethren, back in, in, verse, uh, in, in James, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone turns him back. Hmm, we're going to get there. We're almost done. Let him know that he who turns a sinner, a sinner is someone that Jesus Christ came into the world to save. Romans chapter 5, verse 8, but God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still what? We were past tense Christian. We were classified as sinners. Christ said, I love sinners. I love sinners. Isn't that good that Christ loves sinners? Say, Brother Rich, what's the greatest quality you have? My buddy John down here says you got an alphabet soup behind your name. Doesn't mean anything. Say, what, 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 what means something to you? Only a sinner 
saved by uh, only a sinner saved by grace. This is my story to God be the glory. I'm only a sinner saved by grace. Isn't that good? Folks, uh, we're sinners saved by grace. If you've trusted Jesus. James 5.20, let him know that he who turns a sinner, an unsaved individual from the air of the, the way, what happens when somebody trusts Christ? You save a soul from death and you cover a multitude of sins. Let's look at it quickly. Revelation 21.8. I quote this verse often, but I want you to see it today because it fits right in. God goes through in the book of Revelation a bunch of what we would call bad sins. Now, folks, all sin is bad. <laughs> But he goes through some that really get our attention. But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and, and I always like to go here, all liars. Folks, you might not have done any of those things up in that top section. But I can almost guarantee, beyond a shadow of a doubt, if I asked every single person here who's ever told a lie to raise their hand, all except the liars would have their, their hands raised. <laughs> it's part of who we are. Folks, we're all liars. Little kid lies. Adults sometimes lie. Young people sometimes lie. Why? Because we're trying to protect ourselves. And all liars, folks, if you, if you just look at that, you say, wow, you, you got me. I didn't do any of that other stuff maybe, but yeah, I got to admit, I've told a lie. Probably multiple lies. And here's what he says we deserve just because we lied. Lied. And all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the what? Second death. In other words, the first death is physical. My dear friend Noreen Barrett, a few days ago, breathed her last breath. And she went home to be with Christ. You say, that's what every, that's what every funeral says. Ah, they went home to be with Jesus. Every funeral I've ever been to, uh, everybody was a great person, a good person, and they go home to be with God. And folks, there's a lot of funerals that don't tell the truth. You say, well, that's not very politically correct. It's not, but it's true. You see, folks, when someone passes away and they die, it's tough stuff. It's tough. So what's the difference between a person who knows Christ and a person who lived their life, came to church, maybe did a lot of good stuff? What's the difference between those two people? They'll save a soul from death and they'll cover a multitude of sins. That's the difference. You see, folks, we all want to be kind, and we should be. We all want to comfort those who are hurting, and we should. You say, how do you know that Noreen Barrett went home to be with the Lord Jesus Christ? Oh, yeah, I don't have my mic on. That's what you were telling me. <laughs> Got to stand in my corner today. I know Noreen Barrett went home to be with Christ because she was a soul winner. She told the folks about Jesus. She led many folks to Christ. We'll talk about it Saturday. I know Noreen Barrett went home to be with Jesus because she made a, a strong profession of faith in her Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. No, I can say it with authority that Noreen Barrett, when she breathed her last, went home to be with the Lord Jesus Christ, and that's a wonderful thing. The Bible says, sorrow not as others who have no hope. What's the hope? It's in Jesus Christ, God's Son. That is the hope. The second death is a lake of fire for all those who have no hope. 
Finally, let him know that he who turns the sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. Think about that for a moment. We all admitted we're sinners. And God says about one person who comes to Christ, just he's talking about one person here. He didn't say, well, you know, you'll cover the one sin they committed during their life. How does he define us as individuals? Not just teeny sinners. He said, you know, when someone comes to Christ, a multitude of sins is covered. By the way, if you've trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, there is a doctrine called justification. It's a scriptural doctrine. Do you know, Christian, that when you trusted Christ, you were justified in the eyes of God? What does that mean? Your sin is no longer charged to your account. It's completely erased. It's eradicated. It doesn't exist. Folks, if a person who's backslidden and is a Christian, that's a total different scenario. So as we close, let me ask you this. We're out of time. You saw some young people come up. In my office, their testimonies were perfect. <laughs> they get a little nervous up here sometimes, and that's why we ask a few more questions. Because those baptismal waters don't do a thing for them or you. You being here this morning, even though I'm glad you're here, and I hope you keep coming, if you've never trusted Christ, it just was a half an hour of hopefully your soul being pricked this morning. Do you know Jesus? He talks about, let him know that he who helps a sinner return from the error of his way. Folks, do you know that God has given us that responsibility? Brethren, are you going to help the sinner come to Jesus? Whether they're in the church or outside the church, are you going to tell the gospel to others? Folks, 1 Corinthians chapter 5 Verse 18 makes it very clear that God has given to me and you who have trusted Jesus Christ as our Savior the ministry of reconciliation as though God were pleading through us. Folks, that's our job. Have you trusted Jesus? Do you know Jesus is your Savior? Then, folks, we need to be telling others the greatest news ever given to man. Folks, I, I, I got to close, and I know I do. You're driving along the road, and you see something up ahead. The people behind you don't see it. And you're going to try and warn them, and you put on your two-way flashers, and you're honking your horn, and you see something horrible up ahead. The people behind you don't see. And I ran into this when we were coming home from Kentucky last night. And there are things up ahead, and it's dark out, and people can't see the hazard that's ahead. So you put on the flashers, you honk the horn, you swerve your car a little bit to hopefully get people's attention. And then there's a guy doing 100 miles an hour, zips right around you. And we want to do things to help people. And we figure out ways to help people. And yet, Christian, we know the only way for people to escape an awful burning place called hell, the lake of fire, the most politically incorrect thing in the country right now, is real. It's real. 
What are you going to do about it this week? What am I going to do about it this week? If you're here this morning, finally, have you trusted Jesus? Have you trusted Christ? You know for sure if you died, you go to heaven. Every head bowed, every eye closed, please. Father, as we close the service this morning, my heart would just absolutely be devastated if I knew there was one person in here that's been attending maybe for years, maybe for months, maybe a short period of time, and a tragedy hit and they didn't know you. Folks, if you're here this morning, would you look deep down into your heart? Have you trusted Christ? Yes, you've been here. Yes, you've come to church. Yes, you've heard the truths. Yes, you've heard the scriptures. Yes, you've heard the music. But deep down inside, you know that you've never trusted Jesus Christ. Just like my little friend who came into my office last week and was hoping baptism would get him to heaven when it doesn't. And there he accepted you as his personal Savior. Lord, what a blessed thing that was. Doesn't matter if you're six years old, ten years old, a hundred years old here this morning, have you trusted Christ? Very quickly, the Bible says we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Second thing it tells us that every single one of us, as we've seen, deserves eternity, an awful place called the lake of fire or hell. But the good news is that Jesus Christ, God's Son, came down from heaven, died on the cross for our sins, was buried, and three days later rose again. And then he holds out a free gift to you this morning, something you can't earn. It's a gift. He wants you to reach out and take it. Have you ever received the free gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ? Are you ready to do that? Are you ready to do that? If you're here this morning, you say, Brother Rich, I know this morning, I know this morning I need to trust Jesus. We're not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you up here, but I'd like to pray for you. You say, Brother Rich, I... I believe I need to trust Christ. I've, I've known all the doctrine. I've, I've heard the things, but you're right. I've never trusted Jesus. I've never given my life to him. If that's you this morning, nobody's looking about. Just raise your hand up nice and high. Brother Rich, I've, I've really never trusted Jesus, and I want to do that this morning. Is there anybody? I've never trusted Jesus, but I want to get... Father, we commit this to you. Pray for those watching on live stream that if they've never trusted Christ, that right now they'd say, Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. And I know I don't deserve to go to heaven. But this Sunday morning, I'm asking to receive the free gift of salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. I'm accepting that gift of eternal life through Jesus. Thank you for saving me. Now, Father, help us as we go out this week to be good witnesses on your behalf. We'll give you the praise, the honor, and the glory. And all God's people said...